So a warm welcome. Welcome, everybody. What, what a delight it is to share this exploration, as David said before we turned on the recording, this adventure that uh, will be going on. So a really, really warm welcome to everybody. I'll just say um, a few words that um, the four of us have been teaching together. We've been friends and I've been teaching together for a while. And I think this is our 11th course together. So it's quite something. And maybe I'll just express uh, offhand my delight to be able to teach with Ying, Kim and David and just how, and we kind of want to share this with others, how fun it is to talk about some of these ideas, to explore, to learn from each other, and to just, uh, right, adventures are always more fun when they're with other people. So maybe with that, I'll hang it over to, I'll hand it over to Ying. Can you all hear me okay? Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, I was uh, also reflecting on this particular course that four of us um, will be teaching, Mindfulness of Body. Uh, What an adventure it's been for me and for all four of us as we were um, preparing for this course. So I just, you know, right now I can't wait to share share this with you all. uh, So delighted to see you all too be here early in the morning for some of us and maybe different times for others. Yeah. I'll pass it on to David. Thank you, Ying. Yes. Welcome everybody again. And uh, I don't have, I don't think I've had anything to add except maybe to say that we style these study and practice courses and we, uh, we we find particular delight in entering into some of the ancient texts that that undergird this this tradition and these traditions and particularly not looking at them in solely an academic way but really trying to bring them into the heart of our practice and this is probably i can't imagine any better way to do it than mindfulness of the body you know how to bring sort of that study aspect into the realm in which you know we're most intimately connected with maybe our suffering and with freedom. Kim. Yeah, what an amazing um, field of practice, the body. And so I also just want to bow to my fellow teachers for the fun of um, working with these texts and for the um, adventure of the body. I now gotten onto that, uh, that phrase that I interpreted from David and you notice know, however many years you've had your body, um, there's still more to discover about it. Um, mindfulness of the body is a really rich and amazing field of practice. And what I love about it is that it's so close at hand. You know, you don't have to go somewhere to feel your body. It's, um, it's always with us in a sense. And so what a gift that our, our greatest teacher is always so close. So at least that's one way of talking about, um, you know, what, what we're doing here with mindfulness of the body. But I wanted to share, as we like to do at the beginning of these classes, some of what we gleaned from the um, uh, forms that you turned in, the registration forms. 
So we do read those. And I always love to see, you know, some of the, I can't read all of them, of course, but I'll give kind of a summary of what we, what people are bringing into this. And when you meet and talk with each other in the small groups, you'll get to hear even more. So just uh, kind of geographically, we have people from six countries and 20 U.S. states. So we are well dispersed. Um, and then uh, let's see, a number of people say that they are currently working with pain or illness in the body. You know, that's one of their most prominent experiences right now. And so this is meaningful for them. Um, other people talk about other aspects of the relationship with our body. Some people can't feel their body very well, and so they would like to connect with it. You know, this is, seems like an opportunity to get more embodied. Some people feel that they have been at war with their bodies or have not had a positive relationship with them. You know, they've been putting demands on their bodies or other things. And so there's a sense of wanting to improve the relationship. That's a good idea, given that we're going to be with the body till the end. <laughs> which is more than we can say for any other body, right? <laughs> so, um, so other people have a, a view of wanting to deepen the gratitude and respect. So having a positive relationship and wanting to make it more positive or just in general, deepen the experience of the body. Um, many people note that they are heady and they are often in their head. Our, our environment, our society tends to encourage that, especially all this Zooming we've been doing for a couple of years there's really a um, kind of a way that we can get stuck in our head and the body might be something of a refuge of coming back into the present moment, back into something tangible. Um, a nice phrase around this was, I want to practice in the body, not in spite of the body. So it kind of encourages our relationship. The body is also understood by some of you to be a gateway to the mind, which is what we'll see in this sutta. You may start out with mindfulness of the body, and that's what you think uh, the, the realm is. But the body leads straight into how we see the body, how we feel about the body, how we perceive, um, how we can perceive change. It goes straight into the mind. So some people commented uh, that the body helps them learn about their emotions. You know, if maybe the first way you know that you're having a certain emotion is feeling agitation or heat or tension. Um, other people have said the body's always in the present moment. So it's a great support for mindfulness. Yes, that's exactly what this sutta is pointing us toward. Um, the body is useful. present in the body so some other buddhist teachings are often expressed through the body um, some people have mentioned that they've tasted some of the deeper mind states uh, such as jhana and uh, this is a powerful bodily experience as described in the suttas and so they're wanting to learn more about that and fortunately this sutta talks a lot about concentration states and then there's the body as a vehicle of insight so it's a great place for letting go <laughs> and for seeing impermanence and for understanding not self and uncontrollability. Um, so there's a lot of insight to be found through our experience of the body. And then expanding out more broadly, the body is um, a very practical way to integrate our cushion practice with daily life. You know, you're sitting on the cushion, you feel your body, you go out, you wash the dishes, you vacuum the rug, you go shopping, you 
hike, whatever it is that you're doing. So the body is the kind of the um, connector between all of those. And of course, a few people um, mentioned appreciation of the way these courses allow us to learn together as a community in a group with other people. So um, all of those, I think, would be our hopes also. And um, so welcome to the adventure. <laughs> okay, so um, with that kind of introduction, of course, you know, we we wish that all of us could put our voices in, but I do this summaries because there's quite a lot of us. So um, I want to now move into some of our aims for the course. Of course, it's all of those things that you mentioned, but let me now talk a little bit about the sutta, in particular, Majjhima Nikaya 119, the uh, Kaya Gatasati Sutta, the Sutta on Mindfulness of the Body. So this is one of three suttas in the Majjhima, and probably across the canon in general, that are highly meditation-centered, really practice-oriented. So um, there's an overlap. I'm just going to name this briefly because we're going to learn about it more later. There's an overlap between MN119, the sutta we're looking at, MN118, the, the sutta on mindfulness of breathing, and MN10, the Satipatthana Sutta, on the establishment of mindfulness, the general, you know, more general establishment of mindfulness. So these are a family of meditation-centered suttas that Diana is going to talk about later today. So then, you know, what do we see in this sutta overall? We see a lot of practices offered. The whole beginning of the this whole first part of it is this long kind of list of practices that we can do. And at the end of each one, it says, this too is uh, mindfulness of the body. So the class is going to go through some of these practices in detail. We're not going to be able to do all of them, but it will allow us to kind of savor the flavor of these practices, if you will, and understand for ourselves some of the benefits that they bring. One difference between uh, this sutta and the other two that I mentioned is that this one in particular uh, focuses on mm -hmm. concentration states, uh, mm -hmm. including the jhanas, states of deep absorption. And that's um, just particular to this one. The other two, two, two suttas on mindfulness don't include that explicitly, although it can, you know, it can come about, of course, from doing those practices. So... Um, I just want to read the uh, uh, section that's called the refrain. And again, you'll hear about this again, probably several times today. <laughs> so um, it's, you can hear the concentration in it. That's why I want to read it. So it says, as the meditator abides, thus diligent, ardent, and resolute, uh, their memories and intentions based on the household life are abandoned. With their abandoning, their mind becomes steadied internally, quieted, brought to singleness, and concentrated. That is how a person develops mindfulness of the body. So it's kind of clear that what we're leading toward is some kind of concentration. But you'll see that there are, of course, you know, the practices are not all about that. You only get to that at the end. There's lots and lots of stuff to do in daily life and all kinds of other things even reflective practices. So it's interesting to me that mindfulness of the body leads to some of the most profound states of mind, right? So we'll discover that uh, through these practices that there are different layers of the body. You know, there's the, the physical body that we all feel and act and move around during the day. But there's also, you know, sort of more subtle layers of the body that are intimately interconnected with the mind. 
um, maybe the we could call it the subtle body or the energy body. So it might be that the body is not quite what you think it is. Let's let's look into that as we explore over these five sessions. So our encouragement to get the most out of this class would be to do the practices. And in particular, it might be interesting as you survey the practices that are in the text of the sutta. We've already sent that to you um, and we'll be going through it in some of the sessions is to find a practice that feels interesting to you. Like, oh, I haven't done that one or I've just started on that one and it seems promising, whatever it is. Find one and really do it uh, during these five sessions because you'll have a chance to ask questions about how it's going. And of course, our last session is a four hour half day focusing on practice. So you'll use really an opportunity to do some of these practices. You might want to stretch yourself a little bit, not just doing the usual kind of thing, sit down, mindfulness of breathing, something like that. Um, Try something a little unusual. Here's your chance. So with that, I will pass it along to David. Thank you, Kim. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Having heard all that, I'm I'm ready to go. Um, Yeah, so... uh, we can we can start sort of our start the adventure. Maybe we're going to use this metaphor now uh, with with sort of placing, locating this practice, mindfulness directed to the body among you know the various practices with which we may be familiar, we may have heard about, we may have read about. And what emerges uh, in this exercise is just that again and again in the texts that that are the foundation of our of our traditions. Uh, the all the discourses attributed to the Buddha and his his uh, community of practice, all the collections of which there are various, all the different suttas of different um, lengths and different purposes, uh, mindfulness of the body emerges again and again as a as a foremost practice, as a leading practice, as a central practice. And uh, I, we thought it would be interesting to give some examples of this, just to get get a, get a flavor of um, what what um, the importance of the practice, and maybe um, find some inspiration in the way mindfulness of the body is uh, is addressed or, or comes up in the suttas. And so, here are a few examples drawn from various places in these wonderful collections of of texts that come down to us. One uh, that may be uh, familiar uh, to some of you who took a course we did last summer about the um, the awakening poems of uh, followers of the Buddha or members of the Buddhist community. Ananda, some of you may know, longtime uh, companion of the Buddha and the, the person to whom is uh, attributed the memory, the memorization uh, of many of the of the discourses in his awakening poem has this stanza. He says, if your friend has passed away, if your teacher has passed and gone, and of course he's referring to the Buddha, if your friend has passed away and your teacher has passed and gone, there's no friend like mindfulness of the body. So this locates it in this very, it is kind of wonderful uh, to me, quite poignant sense that when um, in a way we have maybe doubts or we lose our way or lose a teacher um, that mindfulness of the body, as Kim pointed out, is always available. 
It's always the body's always here. The adventure is always available. Turning to a couple longer quotes in the um, the what are they called here? The numerical discourses, the collection called the Anguttara Nikaya, a collection that numbers discourses by or that um, organizes the discourses by the number of the, the things in them. We find mindfulness of body in a way, not surprisingly, in the very first uh, section that devoted to ones. And there are many, many of these, uh, but here's one that I just loved this morning. Um, and I'm, I'm going to change a couple things, gender. I'm going to correct for the fact that we're not, in fact, monastics, but lay practitioners. I think probably all of us, most of us, certainly. It says meditators or practitioners, when one thing is developed and cultivated, ignorance is abandoned, true knowledge arises, the conceit about self, I am, is abandoned, the underlying tendencies to suffering are uprooted. What is that one thing? Mindfulness directed to the body. And then the phrase is completed by stating that the other way around. When this one thing is developed and cultivated, ignorance is abandoned, true knowledge arises, the conceit I am is abandoned, underlying tendencies to suffering are uprooted. I'm going to keep going in this route. And eventually, probably about 2 p.m., my colleagues are going to say, okay, stop, that's enough. But I have a couple more before. These are, these are two from the Samyutta Nikaya. This one I just found the other day. Again, they're, they're, they appear so frequently that um, when you run across them, it's this reminder of the, the um, place of this practice. This is the, in the Buddha's voice. I will teach you, practitioners, the unconditioned, that is Nibbana, and the path leading to Nibbana. Listen. And what, practitioners, is the unconditioned? What is Nibbana? The destruction of craving, the destruction of aversion, the destruction of delusion. This is called the unconditioned Nibbana. And what, practitioners, is the path leading to this unconditioned, to this Nibbana? Mindfulness directed to the body. This is called the path leading to the unconditioned. So this points at something that we'll explore and that Kim already sort of gave us a foretaste of, that this practice is foremost or uh, important in part because it has the power to lead us to being more awake in this life. I'm going to finish this little tour with sort of a, an abbreviated um, paraphrase with a couple quotes from uh, a much longer passage, a much longer sutta. And some of you will be familiar with this sutta. This is a sutta about, um, about six animals. And it compares, uh, it uses uh, this metaphor of six animals to uh, tell us something significant about the place of this practice in, in our practice. It's, and uh, I think I can do this just kind of reading it. It, 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 uh, it goes something like this. It's a story. And this is another way that the suttas give us, uh, give us insight on the teachings by providing them in a narrative frame or giving us a simile or a story. 
says, suppose, <laughs> very common phrase, suppose monks, suppose practitioners, that a person uh, has caught, whoops, I'm reading uh, the wrong translation. Suppose that a person were to catch six animals that had different domains, different feeding grounds, and this person would bind them with a strong rope. Having caught a snake, for example, they would bind it with a strong rope. Having caught a crocodile, they would also bind it with a strong rope. A bird, a dog, a jackal, a monkey, each would be bound with a strong rope. And having bound them with strong ropes, this person would make a knot in the middle, and then he would let go. Those six animals that had different domains and different feeding grounds would each pull toward their feeding ground and domain. The snake would pull thinking, I'll enter an anthill. The crocodile would pull thinking, I'll enter the water. <clears throat> the bird would pull thinking, I'll fly off into the sky. The dog would pull thinking, I'll enter a village. The jackal would think, I'll go off to a charnel ground. The monkey would pull thinking, I'll enter the woods. And when, having exercised in this way, they became weakened and fatigued, then they would just follow whichever animal was strongest, and they would submit to it, and they would come under its control. But then the opposite's given. Suppose practitioners, that a person were to catch six different animals with different domains and feeding grounds and bind them instead of with a knot in the middle, bind them to a strong post. Having caught a monkey, he would bind it with a strong rope. Having bound it with a strong rope, she would tie it to a strong post or pillar and thus with the other animals. And thus, um, those six animals, each with different domain, each with different feeding ground, would pull each other Toward, or pull toward their own feeding ground and domain. The snake would pull, wanting to enter an anthill, etc. But in this case, practitioner, when these six animals are fatigued, they would stand near the poster pillar. They would stand near it. They would lie down near it. And then the sutta goes on to compare the post to mindfulness of the body. In other words, when uh, we don't have a strong post, a strong pillar, a strong reference for practice, something uh, as rooted in the here and now of our experience as the body, we're going to get pulled off into different directions. And the strongest voice in our head or the strongest urge of the body will be the one that we submit to, that we lie down around. And yet with a practice like mindfulness of the body in the middle, serving as a strong post, Everything eventually comes, calms down, submits to, settles near the center, near the, near, the, near the post that is mindfulness of the body. So I want to say one thing about this practice that I've just engaged in and hopefully introduced you to, which is that when we do this study and practice, we, we look at whatever we're looking at, mindfulness of the body, in the context of this huge array of wonderful ways of approaching this topic. And we find that Majjhima Nikaya 119, the central focus of our, um, of our adventure, of our exploration, is um, informed by how uh, other suttas in the vast collections of these discourses 
uh, how they place mindfulness of the body. And we can go to an awakening poem. We can go to sort of a, an analytic way of understanding the place. We can go to a, a story like the one just shared from the Samyutta Nikaya to get a sense of nuance or a sense of different forms that the teaching can take. So we encourage you to do this too. We, we, this is something we engage in regularly as part of our way of bringing study to practice. I want to tee up uh, the meditation that follows. And this course, this particular one, this five course series that we've designed, the longest we've done, has a lot more meditation in it. And in a way, um, that reflects that the that this 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 teaching has to be experienced uh, firsthand. And uh, so, but let me just tee it up with a couple things, and I, I'll point to a couple things that Kim has mentioned that just sort of characterize why mindfulness of the body might be such a might be a foremost practice, might be such a central practice. Um, I think we can see, and we'll start to experience it in the meditations, that mindfulness directed to the body connects us to what I like to call the here-ness and the now-ness of our experience. And the mind is very much focused in the there and then of our experience. The body keeps connecting us to here and now. Sometimes you wonder, you may have had the question, I have, why are Buddhists so into the here and now? There's a lot of answers. But the body connects us to aspects of the here and now that make us appreciate that the suffering we create for ourselves happens in the here and now, and that the freedom that's available is available in the here and now. And the body gets us there to this key place where we can learn about, understand the sources of suffering, how it arises, how it passes away, how we can, um, how we can use that as a, as a way to be awake. The um, mindfulness directed to the body also, as Kim has sort of um, foreshadowed, uh, helps, us, um, helps us understand the way mind makes sense of experience. Aspects, fundamental aspects of our experience arise in the body. And when we bring mind to those experiences, um, magic things happen. Don't want to say magic things. Science, scientifically, uh, <laughs> Real things happen. No magic involved in our practice. We end up not creating things, but paying attention to stuff that's always there in our experience of which we're largely ignorant uh, and frequently find ourselves looking the other way. But for example, when we bring attention to the body, we can notice that um, there's balance. There's simple or uncomplicated nature of things. There may be a slower pace of things. There may be less striving that's in the mind. And when we bring the mind to those things, a little bit of some of those qualities of our bodily experience can rub off on the mind. We could go on and on talking about ways this works, but maybe the best way to understand or start to enter into how attention to the body can open up a way of seeing that frees or some of the, significant, the central profound insights of our tradition is to, uh, is to meditate together. And so let me turn it over to Ying to, without further ado, uh, engage in some mindfulness directed to the body. Thank you, David. Uh, thank you for teeing up so nicely. So with uh, these words, uh, we are going to do a practice together. 
based on one of the practices in the sutta, and that is uh, the four great elements, earth, water, fire, uh, and the wind element. And so um, I invite you to join me to maybe just take a few moments to settle into a sitting posture. And some of you, if you need to move, um, find your spot to sit for the next 20 minutes or so in the meditative way. Uh, please feel free uh, to do so. And this meditation I wanted to point out is that um, it's not exactly uh, word by word following what's in the sutta, um, but it's an expansion, it's experiential. Um, and I learned this particular way of uh, practicing with elements through one of my teachers, Philip Moffat, and, and uh, his um, uh, students and also my teachers. And so I'll, I'll in, invite you to uh, maybe open to this way of uh, practicing with the elements. As we begin, offer some generous moments to allow ourselves to arrive. Arrive here and now. And sometimes I use this image as if we're arriving at an ancient temple, a temple of this body. This body and the temples are made of the same material, same elements. As we arrive, Bring along some sense of reverence, curiosity, and sometimes the sense of arriving is that of settling in. Maybe feeling the connection of the body with the floor. So allow that contact to be felt. And for me, sometimes that sense of landing here Landing here and now.
arriving at the temple of this body. And gently put away preoccupations, stories, We'll begin by tuning in to the earth element. And this kind of a tuning in is allow ourselves to rest in the felt sense of earth element. And start by just resting our attention in the contact of our bodies against the chairs and the floor. Maybe there is a general sense of a settling. Earth element is a heavy. Sense of a settling down. Body making contact through our skin, flesh, and bones. Maybe you feel some sense of a firmness. Earth element is firm, hard. Receiving the felt sense of earth element. Letting go of the beliefs and ideas of what earth element has to be. As you rest your attention at the contact of the body and the earth, resting, resting in the earth element, the earthy body resting on earth. There may be a sense of a grounding. Earth element grounds us 
like the foundations of the temple. Savor, savor the sense of a grounding. Earth element is still. I'm moving. We feel that, that the whole body, the earth elements feels like the pillar, big pillars holding the body. Strong, firm, unmoving. Allow the felt sense of earth element to come alive in you. As if the knowing is happening in the body. Mindfulness of the body in the body. Dropping out of directing from our head. Body has the organs of a perception. Knowing happens within the body. Allow the sense of a stillness to pervade throughout the body.
the Buddha offered his young son, Rahula, and his instructions. Rahula, meditate like the earth. When you meditate like earth, pleasant and unpleasant feelings, contacts, will not occupy your mind. Sitting like a mountain. Quiet. Unmoving. Unshakable. You may get a sense of composure, collectedness, right here with the body. With the stillness, in the field of our knowing and awareness. Open our awareness to the felt sense of the movements, movements of the breath, winged element, And turn your attention to the winged element. Here and now. Maybe the movements is smooth, light, or heavy, rough. However it is, riding along with the wind element. Wind element moves, courses through the body. Allow the body to lead the way. Dropping the sense of I have to control this, manipulate this.
There may be vibrations right along the edges of the movements of the breath. Maybe the humming in the body. Subtle energetic feel. A life body, vital. Quiet. The sense of temperature may come along, the fire element. may feel the earth element become prominent again. Maybe through the sense of a stillness. And the movements of the winged element and the stillness of the earth element can all exist right here. In the sutta, the refrain that Kim read, says, as one abides thus, diligent, ardent, and resolute, one's memories and intentions based on the household life are abandoned. And I'll paraphrase that the unwholesome, unskillful, qualities of the mind are abandoned. With their abandoning, the mind becomes steadied internally, quieted, brought to singleness, and concentrated. Samadhi. This is how a bhikkhu or a practitioner develops a mindfulness of the body. 
Thank you, everyone. We'll make a little transition um, to invite some words from the field. And so we have a few minutes to do a debrief and uh, any questions and things that you'd like to share um, at this point. Just remind you to stay connected with the body as you make this transition. So please use the Zoom hand if possible. And that helps us to see. And keep the hand up as you speak because we get we get we lose you once you lower your hand. Eileen, um, please unmute. Thank you so much for this meditation. What I appreciated most was when you said let go of ideas and beliefs about earth element um, because I found my mind was going back and forth between feeling my hands and thinking about what is this earth element. Um, but the barrier for me and maybe other people, I don't know, is um, the mind has trouble landing because there has been so much training about how the body is evil and women's bodies are especially evil. And so the real dissociation from the body because of that. So, and those aren't just beliefs, they're, they're there, but the feelings of, you know, I can't land because I can't get through this. This is a barrier and I can't seem to penetrate sometimes. So that's what came up for me. But thank you very much. Yeah. I, I'm just so grateful that you point this out. And it's absolutely true for so many people, including myself, right? And uh, for a long time. And there is this kind of disassociation with the body, not quite sure how to land. And yet this, you know, wonderful practices that we are offered kind of offer as the gateway, kind of this doorway going to the temple, <laughs> you know, kind of maybe hovering around outside of the temple for a while and not quite sure. But, you know, gradually as we learn um, to really uh, drop into the felt sense. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Maybe can can I um, add uh, just a word here? Uh, thank you again, Eileen, for bringing this up. I'll offer something that's been helpful for me. Doesn't mean it'll be helpful for you or for others, but um, just as this kind of that uh, this element practice emphasizes that Earth is nature, and we are nature too. Like, how could we be anything otherwise? And somehow just connecting to, we're made out of the same chemical elements, we could say literally, but just that we're nature also, somehow that re was really helpful for me. Like, oh yeah, I'm made out of the same stuff. This desk is made out of, the plant in my room is made out of, you know, just that, I don't know. So I just offer that kind of to use in particular this element practice as a way to just maybe to connect or find a way in. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Diana. Uh, Jerry, that will be the last question uh, when we move to the next session. Go ahead. Um, <clears throat> this is sort of general, so I guess over the next two weeks I'll be able to have opportunity to work on this question because it's one of uh, personal interest, which is uh, 
My focus now lately in the last couple of months, and I just finished a Suchita online uh, retreat this morning. Uh, so uh, embodiment, uh, which is also, that's why I took the that in the title. Uh, so would you say mindfulness of the body is the same as embodiment or that one leads to embodiment? I mean, the expression to be mindful of the body in the body to me is getting very close to what I would call embodiment. Because with embodiment, there is no thinking mind unless you invite it in. Knowing is knowing. You know, if I clap my hands or pinch myself or burn my finger, there is no cognitive intervention to tell me what's happened. It's immediate. I'm embodied. The body speaks. Yeah, we use all these words. <laughs> Almost sometimes it feels so tricky. But embodiment is so much what mindfulness body is pointing to. Allow our knowing to happen with the body. You know, because we're so used to living in the stories and beliefs and concepts of uh, what how things are. Yeah. Thank you. So we're going to switch to on the next session. Diana will be teaching. Uh, take us. Go ahead, Diana. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Yeah, so part of uh, why I love these series is because it's study and practice. Like we're trying to integrate these uh, different approaches. And thank you, Ying, for that beautiful meditation. Now, I'm going to bring us over a little bit to the study part here. So we've been saying these words. It's similar to the other uh, mindfulness suttas, that refrains are similar, and that's fantastic if you happen to have all those suttas in your mind and you're familiar with them. But um, I'm going to point to a little bit of specificity here of what we mean by this. And I'm going to share screen. I'm going to show some documents, which um, you will all get in an email after this class. So you don't have to try to like memorize everything or take notes or anything like this but uh, it's just an opportunity to kind of like um, look at these together these particular suttas kind of maybe the maybe the little bit of the study part of this okay so with that as an introduction I'm going to share this with you all um, can I give a thumbs up from my co-teachers, which I can see um, whether you can see it? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay. So in this tradition, there are three primary mindfulness suttas. Probably you guys are familiar with this, but maybe not everybody is. We And we use all three of these different names. I'm going to start here in the middle. Uh, Majjama Nikaya 10. Satipatthana Sutta, Foundations of Mindfulness. I think many of us are familiar with this. And this one um, has contemplation of the body. I'm using this word contemplation because that's Bika Bodhi's translation, but often we would think of it as the first foundation, the foundation of the body. Then you will see down here, foundation of feeling, mind, and mind object, dhammas. So many of you might be familiar with this. Then I'm going to go over here to the right. Uh, mindfulness of breathing, the Anapanasati Sutta. It has um, some mindfulness of breathing. You'll see here that uh, mindfulness of breathing is kind of like the first uh, 
sub-practice and Majumatan, and these much precisely, as well as over here, Majuma 19, Kayagatasati Sutta, mindfulness of the body. So mindfulness of breathing, which we hear about a lot in, in my role as a Dharma teacher or somebody who's leading guided meditation, I'm often doing mindfulness of the breathing, partly because it's in all of these suttas. What's interesting here, right, is this mindfulness of the body in the Satipatthana Sutta is um, actually, for those of you who are familiar with this, it has a bunch of different practices underneath it that align exactly with the contents of this mindfulness of the body. And to show you what I mean here, I'm going to scroll down. And what I want to highlight is the absence here. So the mindfulness of the body has these six, I wish I could show this. I wonder if there's a way if I can make this a little bit smaller so you don't have to make you seasick with the scrolling. But maybe for this point, I just want to um, highlight that these um, of the body are exactly the same in the Kayakatasati Sutta and Satipatthana Sutta. They're missing in the Anapanasati Sutta, except for the breathing part. But this one that we're looking at today doesn't have contemplation of feeling mind or mind objects. It just has the body. And what it does have are the jhanas, which we don't see in the other suttas. So kind of what's interesting here maybe is where these little blanks are, these um, hyphens are. So to zoom out a little bit, Kayagatasati Sutta, Mindfulness of the Body, has these six main practices. Ying just led us through this one, elements. There's five others. Mindfulness of breathing is one of them that we're all familiar with probably. But it doesn't contain feeling mind or mind objects, but it does contain jhanas. So that's how they kind of like overlap. And the poly is the same. Be, between these, with these, uh, the, the, that they're shared. But that this is just the practices. The, the um, language around the practices is different in all of these suttas. So the actual practices are the same. The language around is different. And one way that we see that is with the refrain. And what does that mean, a refrain? Refrain um, is uh, some, maybe we'll say a paragraph, that's repeated, much like the chorus in a song. And you know, often the kind of the chorus in the song you hear again and again, and that's what gets stuck in your head. It's the same idea here, that it gets repeated again and again. And so I'll just, let's look uh, briefly at the refrains. Now this is, um, here we go. How, how the uh, what we're talking about here in the friends, and again, you'll get these uh, um, article, these PDFs, so that um, you don't have to memorize. Here we go, Diana. I can click this and uh, click this. Here we go. Okay. So here are the refrains. Here is the one from mindfulness of the body. Here's the four foundations of mindfulness. Here's Anapadasati. And I just put it in here, um, Majima 62, um, 
just because uh, sometimes people talk about that as a mindfulness one. We are not going to, in this class, going to talk about these other ones, the refrains, the other ones. This is more a handout for you to understand. But here's what uh, Kim read it, uh, Ying read it. Here is this um, refrain. Abides diligent, ardent, and resolute. Memories and intentions based on household life are abandoned. With their abandoning, one becomes steadied internally, quieted, brought to singleness, concentrated. So this expression gets repeated after every single uh, um, one of those practices, all six of the body practices, plus all four of the jhanas. So this is like you're hearing this and reading this again and again. It's a little bit unfortunate that in Bika Bodhi's translation, he uses, he elided them. He, he used ellipses. So, you know, maybe it doesn't jump out um, to the reader as much because he wanted to maybe, I don't know, make it, I don't know exactly why he did it. But to, so this is something that gets repeated again and again. With this focus on concentration, abiding a certain way, Abandon memories and intentions, becoming concentrated. And I'm going to contrast that with the um, refrain that's in my foundations of mindfulness or mindfulness, uh, four foundations of mindfulness. Abides contemplating X as X, where X can equal body, feelings, mind, or mind objects. Just as Jerry said earlier, the body is body internally, externally, both internally and externally rising and passing and vanishing. So this one for mindfulness is more pointing towards insight. Whereas the refrain in Kayakatasati Sutta is pointing towards concentration. Same practices after each practice in one sutta, there's emphasis on concentration. In another sutta, there's an emphasis on insight, more mindfulness. So this is something that's kind of, it's interesting to think about, that, that how these same practices, depending on how they're held, depending on the emphasis that's given, can go in different directions. That's one interpretation. Another interpretation is there is no difference, and why are we making these distinctions between mindfulness and concentration to begin with? And this is just something for us to explore in our own practice. What is the difference and what creates the conditions in which there might be some more insight or in which there might be some concentration? Or do they just go together as maybe as the concentration increases, maybe there's some more insight. And then maybe there's a little bit of insight which supports a little bit more concentration and maybe they continue to like go together. So... This is something to explore and maybe um, keep one's mind open about it or just be sensitive to. But in this class, we're going to point a little bit more towards the concentration side because that's what's unique to this particular sutta. As I pointed out, it wasn't in the Four Foundations Sutta or the, it's not explicitly in mindfulness of breathing. So now there's one more thing that um, 
I'd like to talk about. And that is to just unpack a little bit what are all these practices of mindfulness of the body. And we'll be spending our next uh, classes together to uh, spend more time with them and explore them. But I wanted to kind of give you a big uh, overview of them. So again, I'm going to share screen. Okay, whoops. So here we go. So these are the overview of the practices. There are both the uh, Kayagatasiddhi Sutta and Satipatthana Sutta share. It's the same. Breathing. Here are the sub-elements. So each one of these six, breathing, postures, well, through activities, anatomical parts, elements, corpse and decay, all of them have sub-practices. But I want to spend a little, just a highlight a few things. One, that notice that uh, there are some verbs associated with this. One knows whether they're breathing in and out long, knows whether they're breathing in and out short. Some of you will recognize this as some of the present practices. I have um, some end notes here, some footnotes given to the poly if you're interested. But the verb here, one knows about breathing, knows about their posture. And then this idea of acts and full awareness, a different verb. Here with anatomical parts, a different verb, reviews. And then with elements is reviews again. And then with the corpse and decay practice, as though one were to see, one compares one's own body with it. So what I want to highlight here by highlighting the different verbs is that it's not just one precise um, activity that we do, but there's a little bit of difference in them that we're not, uh, sometimes when we think of, um, I'm going to stop share here. Sometimes when we think about, we're going to do mindfulness of the body, we think of it's the exact same activity just done to maybe different uh, elements. But my highlighting the verbs, I wanted to highlight that, you know, there's a little bit different use of the mind. There's a little bit different uh, approaches in. And this is part of what, when Kim at the beginning was talking about this opportunity to kind of like stretch ourselves is to recognize, oh yeah, there's different ways in which we can approach or use or uh, experience, review, see, contemplate, know, these different types of uh, ways of being with maybe mindfulness of the body. And we'll, this is what we'll continue to explore and unpack as we uh, go with this course. So maybe with that, I'll, I'll turn it over to Kim. Okay, thank you, Diana, for that beautiful overview and comparison and starting to turn our minds toward, um, you know, maybe the some of the precision of what's found in this sutta. So now um, you're going to have a chance to talk with each other. We're going to make some breakout groups and... 
uh, I want to just give a little framing to it's a very simple question. So um, but I want to talk a little bit about being in breakout groups and um, just how we'll do it this time. So uh, just as a general overview for breakout rooms, um, we don't need to be telling long stories. It's more to focus on the way the practice is um, what, what it means for us and, you know, things that might be uh, serving a general conversation about the practice. Um, we try not to give advice to other people, even if they present something as a challenge for them, for example, or they say they're working with something. Uh, that isn't really an invitation for us to then say, well, what I do is, uh, unless they've asked for that, or unless you ask permission to do that, but just to be um, clear about that. And then um, let's see, the way we're going to approach this particular question is I'm going to, uh, I would prefer that you do uh, monologues. You'll be in groups of three or four. You'll have a chance, I'm leaving a little time at the end for you to talk amongst yourselves. But if each person could have a chance to um, address the question while others just listen and, um, you know, don't ask counter questions or, or otherwise, but just let the person explore for themselves. Um, and the question is, what roles has mindfulness of the body played in your practice? And it does say it could be just one role, but roles is in plural in case it's played more than one. Um, and so you'll each do a little monologue on that, and then there will be a little time to discuss among yourselves. I think you'll probably each have um, between two and three minutes. So... Uh, Please respect that uh, there was probably a very wide range of experience with the body. You know, we had a question earlier where um, it's clear that the body may be a challenging area for some people, or it might be that somebody in the group has practiced with mindfulness of the body for a long time and has different experience of it. So that's, in fact, great. You know, we want to see that there's a wide range among the group. So. Um, with that, uh, you'll go into your groups. Just be, um, just enjoy this time to kind of connect over this topic as we begin to explore it over these five sessions. And I'm going to put a little thing in the chat at the top. You'll see a little blue text, a, a blue bar appear when it's time to change into the next person. So if you could look for that and also maybe just sort of self-time yourselves. Um, you can divide up. You're going to have 10 minutes in the room and you can divide by the number of people Try to leave a couple minutes at the end. Okay. So see you soon. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Let's take just a few minutes to see if there are any questions, anything that came up in the uh, in the breakout rooms that that yielded a question, prompted a question. And again, use the use the little zoom hand. Um which I think now you can find under the reactions tab. Am I still right? Or has it changed again? Yes. Reactions allow you to raise your hand. Any questions, anything come up that any questions remaining from earlier? Nancy, I thought I saw you reaching for your hand. So, yeah, yeah. Hi. Find it. I know where my actual hand is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
One thing that kind of came up in our group is um, many of us are are quite anchored in mindfulness of the breathing and breathing happens within the body. I mean, it seems to be, you know, inseparable, but again, there is a, it does seem to be a discrete focus, like mindfulness of the breathing is one thing and mindfulness of the body is, is another uh, emphasis, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'd just be curious to hear more about that distinction and um, how important it is. I, I, I'll say one or two things, but uh, I think there are a lot of ways into that question. Yeah, it's, it's a good point and interesting that um, the breathing has this central place in, you know, in mindfulness of the body. Mindfulness of breathing is inescapably mindfulness of the body. And it sort of takes us to the center of our experience because the breathing happens again without making up or imagining anything. It centers us in a profound way to be with the breath, to be with the breathing because it is taking place at the center of all we know. So that's one of many reasons that the breath, you know, sometimes, and it can be something you can bring into your own guided, you know, your own guiding of your own meditative experience. Sometimes we're encouraged to bring attention to the body and then to the breathing happening in the body. Mm-hmm. And that can sort of, you know, locate uh, the, the experience of, of the breath, the in-breath and the out-breath in, you know, d- deeply in the body's experience of everything and uh, maybe expand it out a little bit so it's less of a narrow focus on the breathing and more of a broader body focus in which the breathing is, you know, uh, taking place. Mm. But I'm curious, Kim, Diana, Yin, that's just what came to me because I, my mic was turned off, but go ahead and jump in. Maybe I just add that um, there is a way that I find useful uh, in incorporating the wind or the air element um, along with the breath and you know in a way that uh, the air element uh, is directly related to all kinds of the subtle movements happening in the body and so breathing is one particular way and then there may be you know uh, vibrations the humming the tinkling and that's all part of the the movements of the, the air element or the wind element you know and in Chinese, it's qi. It's kind of moving us in some way. So, so that's one way to kind of expand this uh, slightly. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything drastic. Uh, drastic. And for me, it's uh, when I'm uh, with the mindfulness of breathing, I could just expand slightly uh, to kind of move uh, around the edges of the breath. And I begin to feel the subtle vibrations and movements and uh, humming. Uh, and so that's one way I guess I'll uh, share. Thank you, Ying. And, you know, we'll talk more about this question, I think, Nancy, as we go forward. Uh, and, uh, but today we, sh- we need to close and uh, we wouldn't want to leave out homework assignment. And for that, I'm going to pass the microphone to Diana. Uh, I'm like, okay, I have to be the bad guy that gives everybody the homework. (laughs) 
No, you guys get an opportunity to practice with no. So we're going to start looking at more at the practices starting on Thursday, just two days from now. So the invitation is to just look at those sections of the sutta. Those are sections four through 17. And, um, and you'll see in the sutta as well as in the handouts, again, you'll be uh, receiving what I shared with you earlier. And if there's a practice that uh, is you're a little bit curious about or somehow resonates with you in some particular way, an invitation to explore it. We'll be offering some ideas or how to practice with them. And there are so many different interpretations of the specifics of how to practice with these different uh, practices. So we don't want to say there's only one and say, but just a encouragement to familiarize yourselves with them and if one seems kind of interesting give it a go sit it on the cushion and see see what that is like otherwise we'll see you in just two days and with a really deep bow of um, appreciation and Kathleen I see that you raised your hand yeah just a question on the uh numbering the four through seventeen so um that would be like one, two. I can't see what you're pointing to. Oh, but okay. I, I printed out the, the sutta actually. So all along the pages, there's like one, two, here's three and four mindfulness of breathing. Is that what you mean by four through 17? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And um, we'll see you. Feel free to feel free to unmute and say farewell. Take care till we till we meet again on Thursday. Thanks a lot, bye everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Everyone. Adios. Adios. Take care. Adios. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye.